As always, it's so good to be with you. And how are we doing? How's it going? Have a good week? All right, seemed like it wasn't as intense as some of the ones we've had before. And boy, I knew things were, were picking up, things were looking up uh, when I drove by Walmart yesterday. That's my favorite store. And uh, guess what? You know spring is about to sprung, be sprung when uh, they start putting their uh, mulch and their, their topsoil outside in the parking lot. Well, guess what's out there? Yes, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good sign. Oh, here's an interesting one. Uh, one month from today, we begin to have daylight savings time. So we gain, a, we spring forward an hour, and the next Sunday, first day of spring. So things are looking good. I know I'm sure excited about it. Looking forward to working in my garden. I like to raise butterflies. That's my that's my one of my hobbies in life. And I'm going to double the size of my garden this year. So I'm going to have lots of butterflies. Uh, there's something about butterflies and God. They just uh, they go together. And so I'm really excited. I've been looking at some different kinds of plants to put in the garden. This year I found one, I was reading a, a book by St. Francis de Sales. He's, he's my saint hero right now. And uh, he was talking about the angelica plant. Have you ever heard of it? If you have, uh, let me know because I want to plant a few of those. But it's a great butterfly plant. But uh, the exciting thing about the angelic plant, is, the angelica plant, you know, it's sort of angelic. It's got a heavenly connotation to it, is its smell. It smells really good. It smells heavenly. And uh, what's really interesting about it is the entire plant smells heavenly. It's sort of like sassafras root. Even down to the roots, it smells good. And so uh, St. Francis was teaching me about the importance of God and the fragrance of God in all things. All things about God have a beautiful fragrance. That's one thing I like about nature. Nature has a lot to teach us about God if we're willing to open our eyes and see. It's there. God is there. Um, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Always look for God everywhere because he's everywhere. And life, nature, knowledge, all of those things can teach us about who God is and who we are in relationship to him. Well, uh, the readings sometimes we have, uh, sometimes they don't go together real well, and then sometimes they go together real well. Today they go together real well. And even the psalm, they're all tied together, and there's one prevailing theme, if you, if you sort of listen real closely, that you will hear in the readings, and the theme is this, trust God, trust God. Well, we need that today, don't we? I don't know about you, but life, life can be pretty tough, can't it? And we need to trust God. We need to put our faith and trust in him. So what a timely word, a timely message that we are receiving here today. So what are some of the things that as we think about trusting God? Uh, I, look at, I look at the reading of Paul as Paul is writing to the church. See, the church needed to trust God in a big way. There was something going on that was very challenging in the fact we don't think about it today because, you know, it doesn't apply. It's been 2,000 years. But now imagine 
you know, if you were if you were alive the time when Jesus was alive, and Jesus said he's ascending and going to heaven and he's going to come back, when would you expect him to come back? Well, probably sooner than later, wouldn't you? I mean, most of the apostles and disciples thought that. They didn't know that he was going to be a while. Uh, and so what was happening is people were dying. The Christians were dying, naturally dying. And it's like, well, there's no resurrection. They've not been resurrected. Jesus hasn't resurrected them. And what does Paul say? He says, church, calm down a little bit. Uh, listen to what you're saying. Just trust God. Jesus was resurrected and you'll be resurrected as well. Just trust God. So there's one of those situations. But what are some things that we can learn out of today's readings that will help us to grow in our trust of God? Well, the first thing is this. Don't trust in human strength alone. Now, that's really important. In many places, in the, particularly in the Old Testament scriptures, uh, it talks about don't put your faith in, in human strength alone, particularly if you're a young person. You know, don't, don't do that. And I can tell you this, after 67 years, don't put your faith in human strength alone, because it, it'll wear out on you. It, uh, it doesn't, it's not like when I was 18 and I felt like I was immortal. You know, I could do anything and uh, nothing could stop me. But now I realize that's definitely not true. Um, I need God. I need God to help me. I can't go it alone in this life. I have to have God to help me. And, uh, you know, here's the reality of life. You're going to bump up against some situations in life that you cannot control. You haven't? You will. Promise. Guaranteed. 100%. There's things that you can't control in life. And we like to control them but as much as we can, but you can't. And God doesn't expect us to. I think that's the, the beauty of our relationship with God. See, God calls us into a cooperative relationship in, in the sense that we are to cooperate with him, that we are to participate with him, meaning that when we come up against something that's beyond our ability to control, we do what we can, and then we leave the rest to God. You see the participation? Do you see the cooperation between the two? That's what we do. We do what we can, and we leave the rest to God. We don't put all of our strength solely on human strength, but we are in a cooperative relationship what did Jeremiah say foolish is the one who trusts in human beings who seek his strength you know in flesh but wise is the one who trusts in the Lord whose hope is in the Lord there's a good message in it there's a good takeaway the second thing that we see in these readings particularly in the psalm is that we can bolster trust in God by delighting in his word. Delighting in his word. See, great strength can be found in God's word. Why? Well, it's God's word. You know, it's, it's alive, it's active, it's wonderful. Um, and that's something that David learned. You know, this first, the psalm, the psalm one, the first, God, he needed to meditate upon God's word day and night, day and night. Well, that's sort of a 
continuous kind of thing, you might call it, and particularly in the nighttime. I don't know about you, but some of the most challenging times to me are about three o'clock in the morning when you wake up and you're worried about something, but you don't do that, do you? No, you all don't do that. It's just me that does that, right? Okay. Well, what do you do? Well, you meditate. You counteract with God's Word. Meditate upon God's Word. That's what David had found and discovered. And what happens is when you do that, you trust, you trust more fully in God. Now, let me ask you a, a good question here. Uh, when you have those late night experiences like, like I do sometimes, do you meditate on God's word? Well, you spend time doing that. And here's another great one. Uh, if, if God's word is that important in helping us to trust in him more fully, what's in your repertoire, you might call it, of scriptures that when you feel that sense of anxiety, you feel like that sense of trust is waxing or waning, What's in your scriptural heart that, said, that helps to counteract that? Well, think about that. What kind of scriptures do you have in your heart? And maybe you need to learn some more. That might even be a better thing to do, too. You know, you can never learn enough of God's word, that's for sure. But delight in God's word, that always helps you to bolster in trust. The third thing is trust in God after uh, often requires considerable patience and long-suffering, uh, particularly in those situations that don't work out the, the quickest and the fastest. You know, we like, we're an instant society, right? Instant coffee, you know, whatever, put it in the microwave for a couple of seconds. We're, we're instant people. That's what we like. We like it fast. But you know what? The hardest things in life, they don't work that way, do they? They don't work that way. Uh, it takes time, it takes patience, it can take even years before that they begin to work their way out of where they need to be. And uh, that's just the reality of life. It's sort of like fighting with your spouse. Anybody do that? No? Nobody fights with their spouse here, do they? I do. Okay, I'll be, I'll be the first to step up and be honest about it. Uh, well... You know, here, here's, the, here's the thing. You want to, uh, it's sort of like one of you wants to resolve it real fast. And then the other one wants to suck on it for a little while and think that like, you know, well, you want to get it over with. But uh, guess what? Some things in life, it just doesn't work that way. The wife says or the husband says, no, I'm not ready to talk about it yet, but I want to get it over with. No, that's not going to happen. Um... That's some of the things that take place in life. See, some of the more difficult, more challenging components of life, uh, they take time. They take time to work through. And what we need is we need trust in God. See, those are the ones where we really need to trust. And that's why we have in Jeremiah and Psalms, we have this beautiful illustration of what a person looks like who trusts in God when things are not working out, you know, they're taking a long time to work out. It's important. Illustration of a tree, a beautiful tree. I think that's important. He says, this tree is planted by the streams. This is David speaking. 
uh, where the leaves never fell and it produces fruit in its season. Now, I like that. David was a shepherd. He surely many times when he led the sheep to the, to the streams of, of water, there he saw those trees and how, and how well they looked look to him and, and that was a really good thing see they they produce their fruit they don't shrivel up and die their leaves don't turn brown why because the roots okay I would go back to that angelica plant see the roots have dug deep into the ground and then they're they found the water in the stream and they're pulling it up into themselves and they're growing and they're being nurtured right well Think about it. I know it's a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, what is it? What is it in our lives? What is it that we, our roots, go deep into the ground and draw out in order to be healthy, in order to grow, and to be productive in life, to be a beautiful tree? Well, what is it? Well, the source is God, isn't it? Springs of living water, Jesus said. You know, as you dig down, you, you tap those roots, tap into God, and you're able to grow and flourish and nourish yourself. So if you want to be that tree, and I know you want to be that tree, who wants to be a shriveled up tree? I, mean, I, I can't imagine anybody wanting to. There might be somebody. But uh, if you really want to do that and produce the fruits of trusting in God, there's two things that are vitally essential to do that. Now we're, talk, now we're getting into the, uh, what do you call the, the really meat of the matter as we think about the scriptures today. Uh, the saints describe these three things. If you want to develop a trust in God that's, that's very lasting in the difficult and challenging uh, problems that we experience in life, they said it's like climbing a mountain. You're going up the mountain of trust and at the apex of the mountain, at the summit of the mountain, that's where you find what you're looking for. That's where you really find what you're looking for. So, it, you know, it's sort of like they say, to the summit, to the summit. Let's go on to the summit. Well, what is it that will take you to the summit and not leave you standing at the base of the mountain? Here's the first thing. Trusting God because of who he is. Trusting God because of who is. Just because God is, well, what is so good about God? Well, God is goodness. God is love. Those are the kinds of things about God. See, and if you, if you don't get this one right, you'll only go so far up the mountain. And you, you don't want to do that. You want, your, you want to hit the top of the mountain. You want to get up on the peak where the air is fresh and, and the view is spectacular. It's, it's just splendorous as you look and you oversee all of the good things. See, you have to remember this. We trust God for a lot of reasons. We trust God for a lot of reasons, don't we? And the degree to which we trust him, the level that we trust him depends upon how high we get upon the mountain of trust. See, we can trust God for reasons of fear. There's one reason. That's sort of the primitive, basic element of trusting God is you do it out of fear because if you don't do what God says, he's going to zap you. You know, he's just going to discipline you. He's going to punish you. You know, God's the big judge up there. 
So many people see God that way today, and they never, they never get out of the cradle of their faith because God's fearsome. Who wants to, who wants to trust in a fearsome God? So, but we can be motivated by fear, but you'll only get so far up the mountain. The second thing is obedience. Obedience is a great thing. Uh, that's, that's a step up from fear, that's for sure. That's to say, well, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do in my life. What is it you want me to do? But I may not like it, you know. I may not like what you want me to do, but I'm going to do it anyway because you're asking me to do this. That's, that's called obedience. Uh, that'll get you a little higher up the mountain, the, the mountain of trust. But the thing that gets you to the top of the mountain, I mean, that's where I want to be. Isn't that where you want to be? I don't want to live in fear and live in a sense of obedience in that sense. I want to go to the top of the mountain. And what's at the top of the mountain? Well, it is the love of God. It is the love of God. Because the love of God is sheer goodness. And here's what we can do. We can say this in our lives when we love God. When you love somebody, we, what do you do? You trust that person, right? Love and trust go together, don't they? They go together. And so when you love someone, that trust really goes together with it. And so when we can look at God and say, God, you're beautiful. God, you're wonderful. You're, you're full of goodness. When we can look at, look at God in that way, we can say, God, I'm going to trust in you regardless of what comes my way. Isn't that what the psalmist from Jeremiah said? He said, the one who loves God and trusts in him, you'll be like a tree, a beautiful tree, that is, that doesn't fear the heat. Why is that? You know, I'm not afraid. We got, it's hot. It's hot. Even though I wish it were a little hotter today, we could use it, right? But uh, it's sort of like, here's this tree, but why, doesn't it, why isn't it affected by the heat, the trials and tribulations? Because its roots run deep. It runs into God, which is the source of life. And then he says, uh, we are not afraid uh, when the drought comes, why, and, the, and the tree doesn't shrivel up. Now, this is, this is one for gardening, for sure. You ever had a, a year of tomatoes? And uh, it's really a dry time. It's really hot and all that kind of stuff. And your tomatoes, they get about that big. You know, they're not cherry tomatoes, but they get about that big when they should be about that big. Well, what's Jeremiah saying? He's saying that when your roots are in God, that doesn't matter. You know, when, the, when, the, when the heat comes, when the drought in life, the times of drought come in life, it won't matter because you're rooted in God. You're firm and you're rooted in God. So here's the beauty. Here's the, here's the, this is the ultimate lesson. This truly is. I mean, some of the saints say this is the ultimate apex of a life with God, walking with God. It's right here. See, what, he, what they say is the one who loves God and trusts in God will be indifferent to whatever it is that God brings their way. Uh, now, we're not talking about sin here. When we sin, there's consequences to sin in our actions, okay? 
But we are, there's also a big part of life, particularly as we grow in our faith and we sin less, uh, there's, a, there's a particular part in our life where that we, we, are, we are whatever God brings our way, whether it be good, whether it be difficult or challenging, whatever it is, we allow that to happen because we trust in God. And that's the place where sweetness and dwellness resides, right there. So think about that. Think about uh, this wonderful thing. It's called holy indifference. That's what the saints call it, holy indifference. To be indifferent to whatever God brings to you, it doesn't matter if it's good, if it feels good or bad. It's sort of like what Jesus said today. You know, either you, you might be poor, you might be bountiful, whatever it means. You know, you might be weeping, you might be leaping for joy. doesn't matter because God sends it your way. And there's a reason, a higher reason and a higher purpose than that in, in what God has. Why? Because he loves you. And if he loves you, what? You can trust him. You can trust him. I, I know that's countercultural to today. Uh, we, we try to avoid suffering and pain at all costs, but that's not really true in the Christian walk. It's whatever God sends our way to help us to grow. Well, a couple of thoughts, one thought for reflection this morning as we end this one has to do with divers of pearls. You know, those who dive for pearls, it's been said that the, the most beautiful pearls are in the deepest water. They're the hardest to get to. You know, it takes a lot more discipline and uh, preparation and all that in order to get to those pearls. But you get the pearls and you get to the ones that are of great price. I wonder this morning, how willing are you to dive deeper into your faith? How, how, much, how much are you interested in diving deeper in your faith in order that you can trust God more fully. See, that's the spiritual life. That's the spiritual journey. That's what we're called to, is to dive deeper and deeper into our faith in order to receive the pearls of great price. God bless all of you.